tonight's episode of the podcast, I talk fantasy football. I look into the Tour Championship and the Solemn Cup. Catch up on the U.S. Open for tennis. I talk the NFC South. And I also make my picks and a new top 10. This is the Draining Jimmy's Podcast. Saturday, early Sunday, depending what time you are listening to the podcast. I hope everyone's having a good long weekend. It is Labor Day weekend. Hope everyone had a good week. Uh, it has been a busy week for sports. Uh, we have uh, the U.S. Open going on. We have the Tour Championship. The Solemn uh, Cup is going on. Baseball, also college football. Week one is continuing as we're going on. No English Premier League. Uh, instead, there is World Cup qualifying currently going on as we're getting ready for Qatar 2022. So that's happening there. Team Canada is working on its way to try and qualify for the World Cup. We had a match against Honduras this week, and that ended up in a draw 1-1, playing Team USA tomorrow night. So hopefully uh, they can pull out a W for that. Uh, they definitely needed a win against Honduras, but unfortunately... Uh, that did not work out. They had to settle for a draw. Hopefully, again, tomorrow's victory for tomorrow's game uh, against Team USA. Hopefully, we can succeed and get the W for that as well. But uh, definitely an exciting week. I didn't mention uh, the cup that's going on as well as the Tour Championship. That's been exciting. I'm going to get into uh, NCAA football for a little bit as well tonight. Um, but one thing that did happen today, uh, kind of the reason why I'm little late on recording the podcast had my fantasy draft uh, my first fantasy draft in two years if you have been listening to the podcast I have talked about not being in fantasy football for a while kind of did a two-year retirement just took a break from playing fantasy football all that stuff back had my first draft tonight um it was okay kind of I'm okay with the roster, what I picked. It's hard to do. First draft in two years. So it's a live draft. You have your time set limit, everything. Wondering who you're going to be picking. Um, picked eighth overall with my draft. So you're wondering who should I take. It's definitely, you know, a running back heavy draft year. Uh, they're doing half point PPR in our league. So now your, your strategy kind of changed a little bit because you have to go after players who are favored in receptions, who pick up those receptions. Running backs who like to catch out of the backfield, all that stuff. So definitely kind of work your strategy around. So I went with JT, uh, Jonathan Taylor out of Indianapolis with my eighth pick overall. Uh, Tyreek Hill I have, Josh Jacobs. Uh, went with Josh Allen, quarterback out of Buffalo, which I'm excited with. Let's see how he carries on uh, with this season. Uh, going out uh, with... Also, Ronald Jones out of USC took a couple Colts players. I know I mentioned JT, took Michael Pittman Jr., took Naeem Hines with that as well. So happy with those picks. No kicker in our draft, which, you know, I get it. Makes me sad a little bit because, you know, I wanted to draft Rodrigo Blankenship because, you know, I've always had 
Colts kickers the last few years, or when I was doing the draft. So I always had Adam Vinatieri as one of my kickers. Um, went with the Patriots defense, so that's not everyone. Uh, I chose Kareem Hunt. I also went with Chase Claypool, Adam Thieland. You know, picks were okay. Depth was one thing. Took a gamble. It was like my 14th, the 14th round. Took A.J. Green. He is listed as the number two wide receiver uh, with the Cardinals. So we'll see how that turns out for them. Could be a sleeper as well. Uh, who knows? Maybe he rejuvenates his career. But exciting to see that as well. But again, it was a stretch. My 14th pick, my last pick in the draft was my defense. So it's not really, you know, losing sleepover. Went with the Patriots. Um, but no. So far, it was okay for my draft, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. You can't really know until you see how the season goes uh, forward. So we'll see. We'll see how everything plays out. Uh, but again, it was good to be back in a draft. It was good to be, you know, doing this again. I've always had fun doing it. But, you know, strategy changes, you know, when you're the eighth pick. You're also doing a PPR league. So each player, again, the ones that, you know, would just go and get you points. Now you're looking at players who can get you points but also can grab with PPR. So it, it's, your strategy changes a little bit as well. Not as much, but some players will look for more value because, again, receptions. Receptions are always key when you're doing that. But again, uh, fun and exciting. I'll keep you up to date as the weeks go on, uh, especially with Monday podcast after the weekend. We'll see how it turns out. Uh, don't forget tonight I am continuing on with my discussions with the NFL divisions, continuing with the NFC South tonight. So Bucks, Panthers, Saints, and the and the Falcons. I'll be discussing those teams tonight. Uh, I took a Buccaneer uh, in the draft, which was Ronald Jones, also a USC player as well. So definitely good to have that there. I have two USC players. Ronald Jones and Michael Pittman Jr. So we'll see again how those guys play out. Uh, one thing that was great is USC did win today, 30-7. to So definitely a big victory for there for college football. And it is back. College football is back. The week one is continuing. Final games tomorrow, uh, Notre Dame versus Florida State. So make sure you tune into that. I will be watching that tomorrow night as well. So it's great to have football. It's great to have college football because, you know, you get the weekend, you get, you know, a couple days before. I know NFL is your Thursday, Sunday, Monday, but Fridays, Saturdays, and sometimes Sundays. And also when you look at it, even Thursday games, depending on your college schedule, is always great as well. So definitely going to be exciting to see. I'm excited for next Saturday, uh, USC versus Stanford. I get to get a chance to watch that game, so hopefully I can. Uh, Stanford versus USC. Always exciting to watch those matchups just because it's, you know, the rivalry. Uh, But, again, good to have college football back. Now, I know Monday's podcast, I brought up a few interesting matchups that were happening today. Uh, I mentioned Michigan playing Michigan State. They blew out the competition very easily. Um, I also had uh, Bama, number one Bama, playing against number 14, Miami. So the U, um, Miami fell 44 to 13. Iowa, 18, ranked versus uh, number 17, Indiana. The Hoosers fell 34 to 6. So that was a lower ranked team facing a higher ranked team. Uh, I did mention USC, who was ranked 15th, playing San Jose State, winning 30 to 7. Uh, number 19, Penn State, 
beating uh, Wisconsin uh, 16 to 10. So that was a good defensive matchup right there. I definitely wrote that wrong. I don't know why I put 16, 17, 16 to 10. And watching it tonight uh, when we're looking at an upset. So we had unranked UCLA playing number 16, ULSU. Uh, they took them down 38-277. And I was watching Clemson versus Georgia tonight a little bit as well. Clemson uh, fell 10-3 between the two. So we're in the college era this year. Well, you know, despite... Alabama still being a powerhouse and just taking down Miami like it was nothing. Uh, we're seeing the, definitely the change of the quarterback. Um, Texas has got a new quarterback. Uh, we're looking at Clemson. Alabama has another quarterback. Well, kind of been looking at it the last few years. They've had different quarterbacks each, been them going. Um, but again, a new quarterback again. Let's see how successful this is. This is young. Lou is playing pretty, pretty well. Uh, also... Um, again, Trevor Lawrence is gone, drafted to the NFL. You have the new quarterback there. We saw this Clemson quarterback last year in that great overtime matchup between them and Notre Dame, which was exciting to see. Justin Fields is now drafted, Trey Lance. So we're definitely seeing another, bra uh, another group of college quarterbacks this year. will be exciting to see, and we'll see how everything plans out. But um, the games today were just great a lot of blowouts uh some good ones and again mentioned wisconsin versus penn state that's a definitely good defensive matchup when we're watching uh those two teams play and you know what when it's a division rival it's it's even better as well upsets uh number 10 north carolina fell to virginia tech this week as well so you know when it comes to rankings it's hard to predict but seeing uh ucla take down uh, LSU, which is uh, intriguing to see, and I also mentioned um, I, I mentioned USC, Virginia Tech again winning against North Carolina, who fell. So definitely good to see that there. And again, Bama is still looking like Alabama, just a dominating powerhouse. Uh, Notre Dame FSU is playing tomorrow, so make sure you tune into that as well. Uh, that's actually part of my picks for tonight and I'll get to my picks right now um, so again Notre Dame versus Florida State I'm going with Notre Dame for that game Sox Red Sox versus Cleveland going with the Red Sox Oakland versus Toronto going to continue on with the Toronto Blue Jays White Sox versus the Royals let's go with the Sox White Sox with that W Braves versus Rockies I'm going to go with Atlanta on that one 4-1 last weekend let's go for 5-0 oh. let's let's hope for that as well uh, so again, uh, again, busy week. And I mentioned these two going on earlier on. Tour championships going on, Salim Cup, as well as the U.S. Open for women and men's tennis. That's going on. I'm going to start with uh, the tour championship for PGA. Um, so if you have been watching it and you're looking at the, the scores, uh, you're probably thinking, wow, you know, Patrick Cantley is killing it. John Rahm is destroying. JT is having a great one. Kevin Na, Abraham answer. Um, if you know how the system started this week for the PGA Championship, uh, you'll see that things aren't ex exactly what it seems. Um, Patrick Cantley, um, Rom, certain players, depending on how you were ranked in the FedEx Cup standings, you are giving X amount of strokes to start already with. So 
as much as everyone's like, oh, Patrick Cantley's down, like has 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 is a score of twenty under. Technically, he does not. Um, he's actually ten under for the round if you're actually looking at it. Um, Cantley started off with ten under before ten under to start with. Uh, the one person who's actually been doing great uh, has definitely been John Rom. He has just been great to see since the, this has started. Um, because, you know, he was, I think, third, fourth. So I think he only got like seven, six strokes to start with. And he is at 15 under, which is just incredible to see. Uh, today, he was two under. So I'm just taking a look here because uh, he is at 18 under for today. So he went two under today, which was seven. So uh, I will just do my simple math. Uh, so two, ten, so twelve. He was at. He started at six under for the tournament. So six under uh, for that. Again, I think I said seven to six to start with. So six under to start the tournament. Uh, and he's definitely had the best weekend if you're looking at score wise. Um, if it wasn't for Canley getting the two under, it could be a chance or the ten under. It definitely looks like Rom would be in the lead right now for the tournament. As much as a lot of people were happy about this, let's really think about this. Again, you look at the scores. Rom is should be technically in the lead with 12 under, but it is what it is. It's the rule that has been set up. But again, Cantley, he, he's doing his best to try and keep Rom at bay. It's going to the final round tomorrow, and you know what? For all we know, Rom just takes away with it and wins it. Nothing's guaranteed until you've played that final hole and know what the final score is as well. But definitely exciting to see with uh, this Tour Championship. Uh, going on to the LPGA with the Solon Cup. Uh, we are under uh, the second day. Or, sorry, where are we here? Uh, so we're looking at the schedule right now. Uh, day two is already completed. Uh, right now we are looking at... Uh, Europe up uh, by three. It's five and a half to two and a half. So definitely uh, exciting to uh, see how everything is playing out. So we'll see how it all works out in the end uh, for this. Again, the Solon Cup, if you're watching it, it's being played in Toledo. Uh, it is LPGA's version of the Ryder Cup if you're looking at it. So we'll see. Europe looks like they've been doing very, very well. I've been seeing a lot of good shots recently. Uh, especially including uh, Kang, uh, definitely, and definitely have been an exciting, exciting day. So uh, Sunday's foursomes we're looking at here. We got Kang and Ernst versus Hall and Sagstrom, Thompson, Altomare versus Hall and Pedersen, uh, Corda, Ewing versus Reed, McGuire and uh, Salsa, Cupcho uh, and versus Norquist and Kestrin. So that's definitely going to be exciting uh, matchups for tomorrow 715 is the tee uh, off time one thing has been coming into con uh, conversation with this is definitely you know the lack of well it's been getting coverage but you know lack of hype uh, for this you want to see what you know the women are doing as much as it's the tour championship going on for the PGA you have a big event like the Solemn Cup going on right now for the LPGA and you know what some people are just talking about why not mixing the Solemn Cup and the Ryder Cup at the same time. You get two big events going on at the same time. 
And also the coverage will be great too because you get to see these women play. And I know this past year, last couple of years, the LPGA has not been getting as much coverage or much interest into it. But it's still golf and it's still a big event. And you definitely want to try and grow this. LPGA has been around for a long, long time. When I did my history of the podcast for golf, I mentioned the start of the LPGA. Listen, it, it definitely deserves more credit. The Solemn Cup is not that old. It started in 1990, but you want to see it grow more. And you know what? Why not start mixing it up? Why not having tournaments where you have men and women playing together? Or when you're having on a big course, why not have both in the same weekend where you're getting you know, two great uh, golf events? And also the coverage would be phenomenal as well. And you're getting to see this, all the interactions. It is something that, you know, golf should be looking into. It's definitely, definitely going to be something that should be there. Um, but you know what? It's a lot of PGA players have spoken out about it, have spoken out how this should be, how these women are definitely deserving of the credit. And you know what? Are deserving of uh, this follow-up and everything. And you know what? It's, I am going to agree. I agree with all of it. Grow this, especially the LPGA. They want this to grow. Grow it for them. Get the coverage. Do events. Mix and mingle. Get them something. Get you know people watching like events like this, which is just great. Uh, so it will continue, and I will talk about uh, the finals uh, score, everything for this, as well as the tour championship. Um, but going over to Another event that's going on is tennis. U.S. Open's currently going on as we speak. Um, you know, it's definitely uh, in the early stages. Round of 16s have been set, so that's good, definitely interesting. Uh, Canada, Shapovalov has been taken out. We have Uger Alassim, who is in the round of 16. He's facing, facing TFO uh, for that as well, so that's exciting to see. You have Djokovic versus Brooksby. You have Elpaka versus Harris. You have Schwartzman versus Vandela Sandskulp. Uh, so that's exciting to see. And we have Evans versus Medvedev, which as well, who I've talked about before in previous uh, tournaments. And then going over to the women's side. Women's side, we have two Canadians in the round of 16, which is great, which is exciting uh, as well. It's it's been a while since we've had this. We have Fernandez, who beat Osaka, the last year's U.S. Open winner. Uh, they're facing Kerber. That's going on uh, Sunday, September the fifth, uh, for that. And then we have Bianca and Andrescu, 2019 U.S. Open winner, uh, facing uh, Sakari, as well. On uh, her matchup is going to be on Monday the sixth. So we'll see how they go. I will talk about those matchups as well exciting to have two canadians in the round of 16 well technically three if you're including the men's um so we'll see how this all goes forward uh so looking at, at the other women matchups as well kerber maguire martin's going on as well uh versus sabalenka and then you have halep versus civitalonia and i did mention fernandez and kerber or kerber sorry and then who is facing the same day as well? You have Benich versus Sawak Suwiatek. And then Rogers versus Danuka. So definitely going to be exciting for this as well. But again, let's focus on the Canadians. Uh, Fernandez, who is unranked, took down Osaka, which is great. 
which is just phenomenal to uh, see as well because that matchup happened. I'm just pulling it up here. Uh, that was on Friday. Yes. Uh, Fernandez in the third round to get Osaka uh, in two out of the three, uh, winning 7 6, 6 4. They did fall in the first round 7 5, but again, congratulations to Fernandez for succeeding that uh, victory. So let's see how they do if they make a deep run going into the U.S. Open. But I will discuss that on Monday and how they do for the round of 16, as well as uh, the other Canadian for the men's, which will be exciting to see. No Shapovalov, he did fall uh, in the third round. So uh, again, I'm going to continue on with my discussion uh, with for my NFL divisions. I've done everyone except for the South divisions. So tonight I'm doing the NFC South. Monday I will be doing the AFC South. Why not save the best for last with my uh, Indianapolis Colts and the rest of the division. Uh, so here is uh, my discussion about the NFC South. So starting off with the NFC South, I'm going to kick it off with the Carolina Panthers. So Carolina uh, definitely have a new quarterback this year, Sam Darnold, who was traded from uh, the New York Jets to them. Uh, they moved Teddy Bridgewater, who was their quarterback last year, over to Denver. So you have a new quarterback in a new spot, which is great to see. Um, we all know how well the New York Jets were. I've discussed them multiple times. They went in a new direction by drafting Wilson, and now you have Darnold here, who did not work out well. And I think Darnold is in a great spot now than he was with the New York Jets. He has two good wide receivers, one of them being a former wide receiver of his. So he had two wide receivers go over 1,000 yards last year with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. So that's something he did not really have there at in the Jets. He has a great running back in Christian McCaffrey. So already around him, you have two great stars. Uh, depth at wide receiver is a concern for me because after Robbie and DJ, you have Terrace, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. So you don't know how that is going to play out. I'm just taking a look at his stats right now. Drafted this year, so he is a rookie. Uh, so... Uh, rookie out of LSU. So again, you have a good wide receiver there, big body too, 6'2", 200 pounds. So you have pieces there for him. Again, I did mention uh, the uh, pieces that are concerning. Uh, again, you have two wide receivers, uh, so five overall on the roster. Uh, they're going with two tight ends. You have Dan Darnold and Tommy Tremble. Uh, in offensive line, looks pretty good right there. Uh, they do have some depth pieces, which is great. Uh, so you have Moton, Miller, Parody, uh, Alphine, Alflin, and then Irving. So you have great pieces there for this team. So definitely moving in the right direction. Definitely in a better spot for Darnold. Uh, going with the Carolina Panthers defense, you have you know Jermaine Carter, you have Son Reddick, you have your first round pick defensively, J.C. Horn who's starting in that spot. So you have Young there, you have Burris, Chin, Dante Jackson, uh, Hassan Reddick as your one of your linebackers. What's concerning me is, do they have enough pieces to compete in the South? That's what I'm concerned with, and I don't think they do. Um, remember, you're facing Tom Brady, 
and the Buccaneers. You're facing the Saints, though, yes, it's a different quarterback. They still have some pieces there that will make them competitive. And the Falcons, who should be better this year as they're moving up. So we'll see how that goes. But again, um, it's all about com- competition the division. Do they have enough? No. Are we going to see an improvement with Sam Darnold? Uh, yes. Is he a better quarterback than what they've had uh, since Cam's gone? Yes, so I think they're moving in the right direction, and it's a good change of pace for uh, Darnold. Going over to the next team to discuss is going to be the Atlanta Falcons. Well, this is going to be an interesting season for the Atlanta Falcons. Julio Jones isn't there. You have Matt Ryan still at the leader spot in the quarterback. I know there's a lot of talk that Matt Ryan may move on, that the Falcons may go in a different direction. We'll see. Um... When, when looking at the roster right now, especially offensively, yes, you have Calvin Ridley. They drafted Cal Pitts, Pitts out of Florida. Great. You have two offensive weapons there to help out your quarterback. I am not sold on the running back position because when I'm looking at it here, you have Mike Davis, who rushed for just over 600 yards last year. Wayne Gallman, the second. I remember him when he played for the Giants. Not really convinced with the running backs. You do have Cordell Patterson, who is, you know, a remarkable uh, offensive piece. But, again, not really convinced with the running back core. Listen, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, exciting to see with this wide receiver core. Uh, this offense does not scare me. Uh, if Julio Jones was here and you have them plus Pitts, then yes, that's what I'm excited to see. The offensive line uh, for them is decent can they do enough with the running game help with Matt Ryan possibly you still have Jake Matthews as your left tackle so we'll see how that goes now defensive wise I cannot really read what to expect with this Falcons team you have Grady Jarrett out on the end you have Dante Fowler who they uh, have uh, brought on he has not really lived up to the hype as being that number one uh, number three overall pick uh, you have Jacob Tutti Mariner um Deion Jones with a 3-4 offense, or sorry, 3-4 defense. It's hard to say. I am not really convinced in how good. I do like um, what Carolina has done. They look like they're in a better spot. Uh, but again, we'll see what Matt Ryan can do. This team has not really been the same. Um, again, the running backs for this team can hurt them. They definitely need a every down back. I'm, I'm not convinced by the running back core. So it looks like they're going to definitely possibly struggle with the run game. Calvin Ridley will get you yards. We'll see what Pitts is able to do. It's, it's I think it might be a little rough one. And, again, the defense I'm not really too concerned with because we do not know what to expect with this defense. They've had their struggles. They're not going to be able to compete with uh, the Buccaneers in this division. I think they may even struggle with against Carolina, even possibly the Saints as well. So um, right now I think the Falcons might just be, you know, just – plateaued they're just at that spot they're just on a straight line not really looking to improve it's going to be a tough season if you're a Falcons fan when I'm looking at it here and I'm not really convinced again running game is such an important piece of an offense I know they're probably gonna look at pass first but you know we'll see we'll see how Kyle Pitts develops we'll see how Calvin Ridley does it's hard to say what this defense will be again but it looks like it might be a struggle with uh, the Atlanta Falcons. So going over to the New Orleans Saints. The era of Drew Brees is no more. We are now in the era of Jameis Winston. And is this going to be a new improved Jameis Winston? 
hard to say. They paid Taysom Hill a lot of money to be there to help him out. So that's what we're looking at. Um, who is the battle of James Winston? It was given the keys uh, to the Ferrari. We'll see. Uh, they still have Alvin Kamara, which is great. Uh, definitely going to be exciting to see on how that goes out. Um, you have Latavius Murray backing up. So you have intriguing pieces in the backfield. Great. I'm not worried about that. Um, the wide receiver core, you have Traquan Smith, Marquise Callaway, who had an impressive uh, season, Deontay Harris, you have Ty Montgomery, Little Jordan Humphrey, and then you have Michael Thomas, who may not be with this team very long, might be getting traded. So we'll see how it all goes. Um, right now, it's really hard to say what to expect with this team. So I'm just checking out Deontay Harris's stats. Last season, uh, just under 200 yards. With that, that's not really scaring me because we know how well this offense can be. Marquez Callaway, let's take a look here. In his second season, where does he stand for stats from last year? 213. We know how great his preseason was and some of the catches that he's made. Traquan Smith, taking a look here. Um, hmm, not really impressed right now with the way his season... So it's definitely, I know I just talked about the Atlanta Falcons that they may struggle against the Saints because, you know, um, but right now as I'm looking at this roster, um, you do have Alvin Kamara, you have Latavius Murray, um, but the wide receiver core is the one thing I'm questioning, and they better find a way to maybe make things right with Michael Thomas. You have a big weapon there because, again, the wide receivers that they have for Winston is not really standing out there. The offensive line has been good. It looks like they're going to be there to protect. Um, but right now, when you're looking overall at this NFC South, it's not really like they're scaring you. Sorry. Patriot, or sorry, not the Patriots. The Buccaneers, that's one thing. This, everything else with this team, this division, is not really scaring me. Because again, you know, I, I mentioned that Atlanta may struggle. Kind of going over the Saints roster right now, I'm kind of eating my own words because as much as they have Alvin Kamara, the wide receiver core does not scare me, and even the tight ends do not scare me. They have a decent, they have a good defense. That's what I'm looking here. You still have Cameron Jordan on the edge. You have Quan Alexander, Demario Davis, Caden Ellis, and your corners. You have Crowley. You have Malcolm Jenkins. You have Marcus Williams. You have, still have Marshawn Lattimore. The depth is good there. You have, they they have good pieces on defense. Uh, as much as the running backs were not scaring me in Atlanta, the wide receivers here in New Orleans is not scaring me, and that's a fact. I think that's where it's going to happen. They have the right quarterback. I know James Winston's had his struggles, but right now I'm not really concerned with this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the wide receivers step up in the Sean Payton offense, but this is what could struggle because, again, if your wide receivers can't get open, you're putting all the pressure on Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray to move that ball. And that's where I think it's going to be a struggle. This is going to be definitely a different era of the Saints. No more Drew Brees. So we'll see how it goes. Um, again, Jameis Winston, I think, will do a decent job. But again, you have three wide receivers who don't even have over 500 yards in the season last year. So it's we'll see how it goes. I know you have Ty Montgomery, Humphrey. It's it's definitely going to be a struggle in regards to this because I'm just checking out uh, Humphrey's stats from last year, 
46 yards. Great. Um, definitely in the right direction. Ty Montgomery, I know he filled in for a couple times at running back. Uh, also played for the Packers, if you remember him for a bit. Last year, uh, rushing yards, 27. Receiving yards last year, 101. Okay, they're definitely in trouble. Uh, we'll see who steps up. That's basically what the NFL is, right? Next man up. We'll see how it all goes. But again, depth at wide receiver, having that terrific wide outlet right there. We'll see. But it's definitely not looking good for the Saints. This is going to be a different era for if you're a Saints fan. Uh, again, really, yeah, I definitely ate my words when I talked about not being uh, too worried about the Atlanta Falcons when I just looked at the Saints offense where I think Atlanta may have a little bit of a slighter hand than the Saints. And going into my final team uh, for the day for the NFC South, we're going to go with the Super Bowl champions, the Patriots. Um, if I'm looking at it and all through here, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Uh, you have Tom Brady, who's still the Super Bowl MVP. You have Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, back-to-back. Wide receivers, here we are. You have Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans. Three great wide receivers, definitely weapons there. They have two good, actually three uh, good tight ends in Rob Gorkowski, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait. Uh, offensive line is still good. It's This is, you have a team that has everyone basically returning from their Super Bowl, and that should scare you. Even their defense is the exact same. This is probably arguably the best team in the NFC, possibly. I'll reveal who I'm doing my rankings on Wednesday's episode of the podcast when I do my predictions. Uh, but you're in a tough spot if you're in the NFC South and you have to face the Patriots because you're you're facing the exact same team from last year, and that should scare you. It really should. Injuries aside, like if they stay healthy, this Patriots team is going to be, again, unstoppable and possibly even go back to the Super Bowl. It, it could be. This is going to be a tough one. Again, I don't see many weaknesses, possibly, maybe some things on defense. We'll see how injuries go. But if they stayed healthy, this Patriots team, this, sorry, not this Patriots team, this Buccaneers team. I think I've said Patriots a couple of times because when I see Tom Brady, it's still different to talk to him, uh, talk about him uh, not being a Patriot. But this Buccaneers team, they're in the right spot. They're in the right move like again it's, it's hard to pick their offensive line we'll see how it goes but it's it's like they're not in a bad spot they have everything right again the only thing that can affect them is injuries which is normal in the sport but you have a strong wide receiver core in your your three if you look at it again i mentioned it evans godwin and brown great mention their tight ends boom their offensive line is great. Ali Marpet, I remember his combine workout and how well he rose up in the draft. Uh, he's a Division Two uh, center, Division Two guard. Wonderful. Um, definitely going to be exciting. And the defense, look at it. You're you're in a three-four defense. You have Saw and Golston as the outside. Vita Via and as the nose. You have your Devin White. And Pierre Paul on your outside, and David, sorry, you have Pierre, Paul, and Barrett on your outside, David and White in your middle, 
like this is this is all around the good team. This is yeah, it is. It's this is Super Bowl team and here we are. Definitely going to be in your know, Antoine Winfield Jr. on the corners. They definitely have the right pieces in the right spots and I I can't really say anything bad about this Buccaneers team. I really can't at this time. Um, because they have all the right pieces and there's nothing really concerning me unlike the other teams I've looked at where they you know, missing a piece here, depth has been an issue here, you know, starters are not really convincing with their past history. So but the Buccaneers look like they're in a good spot to potentially repeat. I definitely see them taking the division. Uh, they're definitely the best team in the NFC South. So that's that's definitely a scary piece right there when you're seeing a team that basically has not lost any pieces. They've been able to maintain the roster and definitely look like they're in the right spot to do a repeat. Uh, so that was it for the NFC South. Uh, now I'm going to move over to do my top 10. Uh, the, tonight's top 10 is my 10 favorite uh, female Canadian athletes. Why am I doing that tonight? Why not? Because the summer has been remarkable uh, for female Canadian athletes. Why? Because they dominated at the Olympics this past week. The women's hockey team won the gold medal at the World Championships, beating Team USA. Uh, women's soccer has been incredible, winning gold medal at the Olympics. And I talked about women in general. So I'm going to be doing my 10 favorite female Canadian athletes. Uh, this is at any point, any athlete at any time uh, while growing up. So definitely going to have some different athletes, some that you may have heard of, some that you may have not, some young, some old. It's, it's definitely going to be an interesting one. Uh, but here it is, my 10 favorite Canadian female athletes. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. So starting off at number 10 for my favorite Canadian female athletes, we're going with tennis star Bianca Andreescu. Uh, number 9, LPGA uh, major winner uh, Brooke Henderson. 8, uh, Olympic, Olympic medalist Rosie McLennan uh, for gymnastics and trampoline. Number 7, uh, why not put her here, especially with the golden goal she got this week to help get Team Canada their gold medal at the World Championship. Also, captain of our women's hockey team, Marie-Philippe Pluen. Uh, number 6, uh, bobsledder Kaylee Humphreys. Number 5, long track speed skater, multiple recipients of Olympic medals, Cindy Clausen. Uh, number 4, Clara Hughes, just like Clausen. Multiple medals achieved at the Olympics, including speed skating and also competing in the Summer Olympics. Number three, going with the most decorated Olympian uh, for Team Canada. Uh, got her most of her medals at 2016 as well, medaled three times this summer, going with Penny Alexiak, who has seven Olympic medals. Number two, one of the most important females in women's hockey, Hall of Famer Haley Wickenhauser and going with number one she definitely deserves to be number one as one of my favorites helped Team Canada get the gold medal for soccer at the Olympics this year helped them achieve success at the World Cup stage her success uh, in professional soccer and also at the Rio Olympics uh, we're going with Christine Sinclair uh, definitely one of my favorites especially with the success not only that she has the most international goals by any soccer player in the world. That's including men's. 
I'm well aware of what Ronaldo, Ronaldo did this week, but Christine Sinclair has 187 international goals. So that was my top 10 list. So just go over it again, going with Bianca Andreescu. Number nine, Brooke Henderson. Eight, Rosie McLennan. Seven, Marie-Philippe Luen. Six, Kaylee Humphreys. Five, Cindy Clausen. Four, Clara Hughes. Number three, Penny Alexiak. Number two, Haley Wickenhauser. And number one, Christine Sinclair. Definitely all those athletes are on this list are have had tremendous, tremendous careers uh, this year and have just been dominating and mean so much to sports uh, in their areas of fields. But all of them are tremendous, tremendous athletes. Um, so that is it for the episode tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, definitely a lot of fun to do. Busy weekend and still hasn't been finished yet. Tour Championship and the Solemn Cup is finishing. Uh, we also have uh, World, U, sorry, not World Cup, U.S. Open going on. Still have a game left for uh, NCAA Week 1. So again, I'm just going to go over my picks uh, for the weekend one more time as I get myself organized and go over my notes here. Uh, so I'm going with the Jays, I'm going with Notre Dame, going with the Red Sox and the White Sox, as well as the Braves. So hopefully we get a uh, 5-0 and weekend uh, for this. I'm really excited to look into it. Uh, so one more time, Notre Dame, Red Sox, White Sox, Toronto, and the Braves for my five uh, picks. So we'll see how everything turns out. Um, and Monday, I'll recap the weekend for the Tour Championship and the Solemn Cup, as well as the Notre Dame game against FSU. Catch up on some uh, baseball, as well as we're getting ready into uh, the first week in the NFL. I will be finishing off my divisions discussions with the AFC South, so make sure you turn into that. Uh, next Wednesday, I will be doing my NFL special, uh, making my predictions, who I'm liking for each division, MVP, what do I expect, what's going to be happening, especially with COVID and all that, plus the season has extended, there's an extra game going on, so Definitely going to be intriguing to see the discussions. Also, matchups to look up uh, for the first weekend, which one I'm liking. First game is on Thursday, Cowboys and Buccaneers. And then I'll go over my fantasy roster, who I drafted. I know I had a bit of a discussion, what I thought of it as well. I'll definitely go into full depth and uh, include that on Wednesday's podcast just by going for my matchups, what I'm liking, who's going to be there. So definitely intriguing. Uh, but again, I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode of the podcast. I will be back Monday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a great night. Have a great morning, depending what time you listen to the podcast. Um, again, have a great weekend. This is the Draining Jimmy's Podcast.